Welcome to Lat B, the only podcast that comes with a free bandits bonus. Lat B, where MMA and UFC get silly. This is the Lat B podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are here for UFC two. For one, for our fight picks and predictions here at Lappy. But before we get into that, we had a bit of a hiatus from the last weekend. We had our girl, Valentina Shevchenko, come through. We're going to do a quick recap, probably within 10 minutes, just to catch up anything. There's really not much to talk about on that fight card. And then we're going to get heavy duty into this pay-per-view of 2-4-1. Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier. I mean, what is there to really say about the previous fight card in Uruguay? We had a lot of uh, interesting bouts. Really didn't see anything that was too amazing other than Pava being an underdog for me here. Almost finishing his opponent, Bittorin, with an eye injury underneath his left eye. The fight gets stopped in a minute in. The ref looks, has a doctor check Bittorin's eye. Bittorin, they get the fight started. Literally within 30 seconds, Bittorin lands a knee on the way up and cuts Pava's face in half. There. I, <laughs> I heard about it later on just looking through. I did not see any of the fights, any of them, any of them, including that nasty knee. I saw like bits and clips, but sure. no real. Well, you saw bits and clips of that eyebrow hanging off. But I feel like I follow good people enough on Twitter that by everyone reading it later on I could I got filled in pretty wisely on what happened sure. in every fight. It was a, it was definitely a fun scrap really unfortunate that it ended up finishing that way because I still don't like Batoran moving forward. I still like Pava, and if it wasn't a cut, I thought Pava was going to come through with it. Batoran might have finished shot. the fight, but Batoran got to get his feet underneath him. It was just a cut. I, it was a beautiful knee. Uh, I mean, that's just the way the wig splits sometimes. It's, I, again, Batoran, I'm going to be hesitant on Pava. I still like what I saw in there. God, that was such a fun scrap. The interesting thing in that fight, Batoran getting his first win over Magomedov, or whoever in there, the Russian, being number 8 at 125, Pava coming off of a loss in the UFC, being number 14th. How does that make any sense at 125 pounds, other than the limited individuals in that weight class? Yeah. So, the other fights that were pretty noticing told you about uh, Surreal Gone, Gain, whatever you want to call him, told you it was going to be a quick one. Didn't see the submission coming, but I did say to you guys, he has that go-go choke. He ended up getting a triangle into the first round, though his competition, though, uh, Pessoa there, absolute trash, just throwing heavy bombs and uh, trying to keep it somewhat striking on the ground, didn't show anything. We got to be a little hesitant on Gain, even though for a heavyweight, he's a brick shit house in there. The guy that I was actually a little bit more worried on was actually Vieira in his fight. He had a bit more trouble than I thought initially. Thought he was going to run through Pachota pretty easily. And Pachota actually tired out uh, Vieira there in a little bit. The Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu ace finally came through with an arm triangle as well. But uh, Pachota did well standing. He's a great black belt. And I like Pachota a bit more than I initially thought. Vieira, there's issues in his gas tank, he can always fall back on that jiu-jitsu, but even in his striking looks good. Once he got into that second round, striking went out the door. So out of uh, Gain and Vieira, two guys I was high on debuting, I'm more high on Gain right now coming off of that fight card. Then we went to 
one of the profile fights of the night in Mike Perry versus Vincente Luque, where we had a barn burner of a fight, Mike Perry's face will never be the same. Ever be the same. I know you saw the photos. I've seen so much about that fight. It's pretty unbelievable. Unbelievable, honestly. Can I ask you a few questions about please, the fight? If, unless you want to no, go no, no, over no. it in any way, and maybe they'll answer No, I'll, I'm sure I'm going to answer them with the questions, because everyone's got them. Do you think Perry won? Yes. Because of volume and brutality, not just brutality, correct? No. I, volume for Perry, and as well as a takedown. Okay. And that third round, that guillotine with that nose, doesn't matter. Guillotine didn't finish. I see it as a not advantageous. Well, he did pop his head out, That which should be two points right there. As soon as his head came out of the submission, which Woo! it did. So, I think, Perry, I think Perry won that fight. If they weren't in Latin America, Perry would have got that. Do you think the split decision, um, do you think he lost it because of the girlfriend's dancing at the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> the platinum princess? Oh my gosh. It's... I feel like that is exactly where I fell asleep. I couldn't watch anymore, so I shut my eyes. <laughs> I was like, I'll open it back up. Op- and I tried to have it low. Um, and I, yeah, I couldn't. I was, it almost like cringed me. She's the queen of cringe. Oh, man. Her and Henry Cejudo really going up to the next level. <laughs> so She's like Drake. <laughs> my real question for you in this is, will Mike Perry ever be the same again? Because you're the nose. You're I the nose talker. I don't think so. And it is broken like no other break I've ever seen. Other than I don't think anyone's ever Andre seen Arlovsky. a break like that. I didn't ever see his when it happened, what it, fight it happened. He's happened in training. Multiple fights, but uh, in training is but where you know, it got he is... When I look at old pictures of Andre Arlovsky, I have to say, much like Mike Perry, used to be a very attractive handsome dude, guy. Oh, Arlovsky is crooked Hunk. for life. Well, and it doesn't have to be crooked for life. Andre Arlovsky, much like Mike Perry, if Mike Perry's smart, he doesn't get his nose fixed and just toughens it out. Because if he gets it fixed, it's never. It's gonna Ronda Rousey. Exactly what it's I'm gonna thinking. Misha Tate. I call it the Misha Tate nose, <laughs> where it's like you take one punch from somebody like Rocky. So picture any other male in the division. Sure. You're going to have a glass nose. So I just think, let that thing go flat, ski. At least get it straightened so you don't look like the elephant man. Of course, I agree. Mike Perry's next fight is going to be tenuous just because and we don't know how it comes back. did he lose his platinum tattoo? No, it's still there. Oh, I thought... It got cut open? It, yeah, and then they had to stitch it shut. I didn't see so that. I thought it was clean. I thought it was clean in there. But as far as Vincente Luque against Perry in the fight, somebody we were really high on, someone we've been really high on, and Perry was doing good in there. Luque eating shots. That gas tank for Luque is still a bit of a problem. It wasn't the worst, but he is human. He That's how he can get beat, is getting drug in those hard fights. I just think Mike Perry stepped up and he's improved everywhere mm-hmm. from what i saw mike perry just looks so good everywhere for mike perry he looked patient in there he didn't just go out and try to brawl um i like both guys going forward and i do think the stephen thompson call out on luke uh part is smart is it i i know what you're saying it's a name for stephen thompson but i didn't like the call out because i'm like again it's a guy coming off of a loss Go up against well, the winner. Just, who else who is, is he it gonna above call? Him? Yeah, there's right. like he can't call out the champ, and he can't call out what I mean. Maybe Ben Askren, but I, maybe he's like no one cares about Ben. I would think Masvidal, but he's not gonna take that Edwards because he could try to avenge that loss as well. 
But Edwards isn't going to take that either because he deserves a, a shot. And like we always say, the winner should fight up and the loser should fight down. So that's kind of what's uh, happening. True, 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 I true. Do you, I just do you think, think it's a fight it? he can win. So. Do you think he takes it? Yeah, I think he can win that fight. No, no, no. Do you think uh, Stephen Thompson takes uh, that fight? I don't know if Stephen Thompson has a bunch of other options right now. Yeah, kind of whoever gives yeah, it. Yeah, so it's a heel fest and it gives him extra time off. Mm, why not? Yeah, why not? how long do you think it's a recovery for that house? Oof, Six a months. year. Hopefully, at least six months is what I'm thinking, but you're saying a year? Yeah, I don't know. That is something next level. Like, when we all see the um, x-rays of that, I feel like he's going to be broken all the way up into his skull and all the way out to his cheeks. Oh, sure. I think what's going on in there is going to be excruciating, and the fact that he fought through it, what a soldier. What a Yoel Romero. What a soldier of God. <laughs> <laughs> so, on to the main event. We had Valentina Shevchenko coming in against Liz Carmouche. If the other ones, if you were holding on by a thread like you were and already fell asleep, this one, down and out. I mean, it was a counterfest for each of them. Nobody was really pulling the trigger. One half knockdown at a four-punch combination for Shevchenko. Really... Um, not I looked good. up the stats not and good. I didn't rewatch it. No, not a good fight at all. But it was because uh, Shevchenko does best when she has somebody moving forward, like an eye, or just people that move forward when she goes against a counterpuncher, or somebody like Carmouche who wanted to stay off the back foot because she was a worse striker. Once the takedowns didn't accumulate, it was just uh, almost an Anderson Silva type of strategy where Silva wasn't finishing like Latest and Damian Maya in fights. And why? And that's because Damian Maya, as soon as they backed up and didn't move forward, the counter-strikes are gone. And moving forward, Valentina Shevchenko does have a bit of an issue there. So, you know, we love Shev. I got to choose my words wisely, but this isn't unusual for Valentina Shevchenko. Even though I did pick a finish in there, I didn't have Val in a lot of spots because she was way overpriced in my eyes. And uh, that decision prop really came through because a lot of people had her finishing after that eye finish. I mean, the biggest call-out for Shevchenko in here was, again, Henry Cejudo. <laughs> 125 pounds. Did you see in the interview afterwards, she said um, something to the effect of, so what more important, me entertain crowd and lose belt? And I'm like, is that the way you want your UFC fighter to fight? And Val's kind of one of those people who fights up. She She's almost, um, she's Tyron Woodley. She's like not in fight style or anything, just the way she's going to hold on to that belt. Right. I think she could even DJ it up in there where we'll, all of the hardcore fans will be like, oh, she's amazing. She's amazing. She just uh, contended for her belt six fights in a row or more. And she'll but break records. You can't wait to cut her and get her to one. As soon as she gets a loss, she's out because it's like she's going she to decisions nonstop. Card. Rightly so. She's been a champion multiple times over. So that just only accumulates. But. Uh, she's getting in a really iffy spot. She needs a certain type of fighter to go against to be able to get these finishes in here. And I think a lot of women are going to be backing off of that. Oh, it was a DraftKings night. Wasn't the funnest, but I didn't play a lot for the entire night. Underdogs did have a couple come through. Had Gutierrez come through over the night. Pava did it. There was a couple other iffy fights in there. Again, not too much more. Left I thought Pava it. got murdered. No, it was the cut. It was a mean two-minute fight, three-minute fight. Yeah, but I didn't point-wise. I didn't know if he didn't. Did he do good? One point five on yeah, Pava. Yeah, he yeah. Lost. He he killed my DraftKings cards because yeah, that was me a two. Too. Me too. He was the one who did. But I didn't have many. I had maybe five cards, which is nothing for me. 
Um, yeah. I think... Uh, we ready to do it? Yeah. Any Is there anything on Twitter that we want to talk about or we'll just talk about it as we go? I think as we go, there wasn't anything that uh, stood out to me other than more fight cards being announced. I think one coming to Tampa, Florida here soon. So... Eventually, we'll get more into that. But you know what we're all here for is the pay-per-view at LatB underscore MMA on Twitter. If you want to be getting our cards, we're going to be doing this from the bottom to the top like we always do. We go through all 12 bouts. This one is going to be out of what state? Oh, California, Anaheim? Yeah, it's where um, the Disneyland is. Ooh, we going to Disneyland for this one. Uh, Daniel Cormier, a bunch of issues coming out of California that don't really need to talk about out of the area, I think. So. What? Uh, the, wasn't there the garlic festival shooting? Garlic festival oh. shooting like right there? <laughs> Cormier talked about it. Ooh. Yeah, so, way to start off the 12 card bout. Yeah, we'll send, um, hopes and dreams out to the family. Our, our positive energy, our positive, positive eyes, positive eyes. eyes going out there. I was thrown off. I didn't know words to pick from. I was like, <laughs> That's why I was I'm like, getting ah. knifed, I'm getting knifed. What? You know where you're not going to want to do California. something. At an MMA convention, because you know half those dudes in there are purple and black belts and blue belts. You're go get you going to get your weapons all twisted up. Trying something at a UFC center, just saying, or at an event. So it does seem like one of the scarier places on the planet to try something. Right? I would think so. I would definitely think so. So yeah, there's just a bunch of meatheads and a lot of shit talkers, but then there's also a very high um accumulation of mixed martial artists. And I'm oh, not talking about just the people in the octagon. Right. Okay. Right, right, right. So you know we got some of the best fans in the world in MMA. I will take up I mean MMA fans over any other Oh, I thought you Sports were talking about B fans. Oh. I was like, I agree. I Our agree. Especially awesome. Lat B fans. In a fight, one-on-one in a back alley, uh, give me the MMA fans. Because nine times out of ten, some of them got some training under their belts. And even no training, just a little knowledge against is better than no knowledge. Oh, uh, instead of Philly fans out there. <laughs> so, on to the 12th. I love Philly fans. Me too. I love the, the, who is it, the crazy fanatic? The Philly fanatic? There you go. Love my Philly fans. On to the 12th card bout. At 125 pounds, we're going to start off this pay-per-view on ESPN+. It is going to be the preliminary bout with two women, Sabina Mazo coming in against Shayna Dobson. Dobson coming in with a 3-2 and two record, winning her debut in the UFC against Elio Beck TKO. After that, she lost to Lauren Mueller in a decision in a fight that was a oh, god awful. It was so bad to go back and watch, especially where Mueller has kind of gone since then. Uh, what Dotson likes to do, sit on her back foot, throw that overhand right. Once she gets cracked a couple times, she really gets hesitant and will just stand in front of you. This is definitely about that can that can happen in. Mazo is coming in with a 6-1 record, losing her debut to Marina Moroz in there. She ended up losing a decision. Also not the funnest fight to watch in there. She ended up just all around being a little bit lower of a game at 22 years old. Both of these ladies have comparable commit uh, competition levels. Dotson a little bit higher because she's been more in the States and had a actual UFC Ultimate Fighter competition in there. But her 
output is just so low. Here at Lat B, this is a standard. We stay away from the first one, and this one, anywhere it was in the card, would be a big fat stay away. So it's easy. It's an 11 card bout as far as my DraftKings is concerned because I don't see this scoring highly anywhere. I'm going to go Mazo because she's a better all around. I feel like Dotson has okay shake down the fence if she moves in, but her output is so low, she only waits for that one punch. And she could get it here against Mazo. Big fat stay away. I got a decision. Dirty split decision. Give me the slight underdog. This is a coin flip. Stay away. Big fat stay away. Who do I you agree. Have Big fat stay away, and I'm going to stay away from it. Even though I have Mazo, that means she'll probably get it wrong because the first fight of the night always makes my card start off Duke. Absolutely. Duke. And on DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the slight favorite, minus 135, Shayna Dodson. 8,200 against Sabina Mazo's 8,000 even. Again, do not waste your money on that mid-range fight. I uh... <laughs> agree. Agree. Pretend it doesn't even exist. I, exactly. Exactly. If, oof, I'm not even going to if those ones. It's just a flat stay away. On to Bantamweight. 135 pounds. We got a couple veterans in here. At profile in a fight. We have Kung Hyo Kang coming in against Brandon Davis. Kang coming in with a 15-8 and eight record. Winning a few fights in the UFC now against Jojo Kanetti. Tanaka in there. He submitted uh, Kanetti in there. Last beating Tiroto Ishihara via submission. His only loss as of late has been to Ricardo Hamos in a split decision. Kang's super powerful, moves forward really well, heavy punches, will throw three and four punch combinations in there, but it's really been his ground game that has done best for him. He'll really uh, throw those incredibly hard strikes into a takedown, into double legs, and then on the ground, he's shown that he has really strong hips as well. Uh, his, the missions are and coming through. you know through. how you like those You hips. know how I like them hips. <laughs> the 31-year-old um, has power on the feet. I don't think he's... Too uncomfortable with getting on the ground a lot like with Burns as another underdog that came through earlier in the week. He's a guy who I feel like lets go of his strikes because on the ground he's so confident on scramble ability that he ends up on top. So he lets the the power go in there. Against Davis though, the Muay Thai striker is coming off of a win against Randy Costa. He's 10-6, and six, losing to Zabit Magomed in there at Zuliaf stretch 11 months ago. Prior to that, also lost to Barzola. Beating Peterson, losing to Bochniak as well. The Alan Belcher product is all around. Jack of all trade, master of none, doesn't have tons of power, has a serviceable gas tank, stays in that Muay Thai a little bit. Off of his back, he can get held on the ground and he'll throw up submissions, but he just doesn't have that finishability. He doesn't have that quick submission all of a sudden. He'll throw up the triangle, but most people are able to defend it uh, and just kind of ride him out. And I see this fight going a lot that same way. I actually see Davis getting taken down once to twice every single round. His takedown defense hasn't been the best. Uh, King isn't the greatest takedown guy, but he sets up his takedowns well. So I think that actually King's uh, gas tank has showed out fairly well. So Davis is limited takedown defense does scare me here. I'm going to end up taking the slight favorite, minus 185 Kang submission round number three. But I think that uh, Davis has made improvements in his fights. Killaby's been looking not as rough as he was initially. He could be making a turnaround. 
I could move this to Decision King just because of those takedowns, I think is more favored in Four King out of the two. Who do you have in this fight and why? I like all the Ho uh, Kang decision uh, a little better just because I do agree with you. Brandon Davis has gotten better every fight. I think Killer B is a bad omen. Right? I Killer B Saunders as well, right? That's yeah. immediately what I think. I just think it's not a great name for you if your name is Killer B. You're, you're, if somebody named you that in your camp, they are reaching. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, look at you. You're a fast little guy. <laughs> you could pollinate a flower. I think Ben Saunders is Killa B with an A, not an ER. Which is important for to not be racist. Yeah, so. Very. <laughs> <laughs> but none of these are B E E. Both of them are the letter B. Because of Brandon, um, and then what's is are they both Brandons? No, it's it's uh, ben, ben Saunders. Ben, 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 there it is. Yeah. So I got Kang decision. Uh, very powerful guy. I just think his strength... I think Brandon Davis might be a little better on the ground. I just think Kang's strength will allow him to control where it goes. And he does have pretty good knowledge uh, of the submission game. So I do think it just nullifies and they end up staying on their feet. Mm-hmm. And that's where Kang will pick them apart slowly. But Brandon Davis is a guy that can take the abuse. So, And you know that I think that's going to become a theme of the night. A guy that can take the abuse. I so. kind of agree with that. I, again, don't see too many underdogs that I'm liking throughout this entire night at all. On DraftKings, King's going to end up being 8900 against Davis, 7300 King has to get a finish there in order to pay that off or get tons of takedowns. He has to score essentially 100 points. What kind of, doesn't he have quick hands? How many How many points is he averaging? Um, On DraftKings, 80 points. So, not bad at all. I'm Throwing a couple takedowns in there as well. But if you're nullifying takedowns, and that's where he usually relies heavily on points, then he might be more like the 60-point range. That's what I'm seeing. In his last fight against Ishihara, he ended up scoring 120. Against Ramos in a loss, 40. In his other wins, though, I mean, when he's winning here, even in decisions, he's averaging 75. Even on a 75. loss on 40? I kind of like that. I kind of... Put him as like a second play, like a second rung expensive guy. Don't get him first draft. I agree. I agree. Second or third draft. I like that secondary option there. How about Davis anywhere for seven three? Because it's I don't a decision. Think it's awful. I don't think it's the worst either. And I, I can see him getting hurt and stuff, but I also can kind of see like this being. I have no idea where he stands on his contract, but this could be a one and done for Davis. I think he kind of needs this, even though he's off a win. I don't think it's the three fight you're out anymore. Like, I think they're showing us that every day. I think you you got to stay alive. Sometimes you can come off a win, and they could just let you go. You could be Chris Cyborg. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. It is a new day in yeah. MMA, for sure. Anything left? I went about? to a town. Um, I don't know. It's heavy MMA news. I might hold it. I might have to tell you about it later. Please. Pl- oh, me. the fans love it. You can't tease. Yeah, you can't tease it. Even, yeah. It's, uh, I have a, uh, another friend that has a secret about Leonardo DiCaprio that she's not going to say until Leonardo DiCaprio dies. 
That's almost what I am like. I don't know how. Wow, that's a hot take, not MMA related, not but other MMA world. Related, but that's, you know, this I Dana White has next level money. I, he can't. He might be able to sue me for my cat or this podcast. All of a sudden, this, he'll be doing Dana White. This is true. Well, he's gonna make a hefty, hefty profit if he gets this podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying. All them free bets are gonna really come in for him. We know you listen to Dana White. We know. We know. So, leaving it there. Moving on to 100. 15 pounds strawweight division we have the ladies coming back in with hannah cyphers coming in against jody escabel escabel is a gone a perfect o and three in the ufc she has lost every single bout to kk to jessica aguilar and angela hill um escabel came in with a ton of hype i feel like i bet her in a couple spots as well because again she's all right a jane of all trades master of none and no power, good cardio. She's mainly a boxer, limited takedowns in there. To watch the tape on her always hurts. Um, she's somebody who throws four or five punch combinations, but it is easily a foot and a half in front of all of her opponents. So she doesn't even register as far as significant strikes or strikes. So her score, super low in here. I mean, I'm just not liking anything from Escobel. If it was at another weight class, as you were saying, a one and done, she would have probably been out of here in most other divisions. And I mean, I'm going to try to tell you what I really feel about her, but <laughs> I, she's just a non-play, a non-existent play anymore whatsoever. Somebody you can't trust in there at all. Against Cypher, she's coming in with a 9-3 record, losing her debut against Macy Barber in a TKO, which doesn't look that bad all of a sudden. Being a big underdog against Polina Viana as of late, even though we just saw Viana on the last card get murked in the first round, submitted quickly, and she's supposed to be a submission lady, so maybe Viana isn't as high as we thought. But Cypher does a lot of what Escobel does, except she's in range, throws a bit more kicks. Uh, quite a bit more kicks in there and all around just has fairly decent IQ against the Macy Barber up-and-coming beast of course she's gonna get uh, beat up a little bit in there but I don't think that uh, who is it here Jody Escobar would make it out of the first round against Macy Barber where Cyphers actually didn't look as bad as most people do in there I like the volume for uh, Cyphers I don't know if I see a finish but I do see a lot of volume here for Cyphers I she has been able to keep that up even in fights she got beat on at 73 against Viana, not the worst. At 9-2 on DraftKings, there's absolutely no way I'm going to be playing Cyphers at all. She needs to get a finish in here. 9-2, that makes me want to fall on the but floor. But a lot of people are in the same boat as I'm saying against Jody Escobel. Jody Escobel hasn't shown any progression in any fight, and she made Angela Hill look like a title contender in there again for a little bit, so... I'm not playing Cyphers anywhere. I do have the minus 280 favorite. Minus 280 for Cyphers. 9-2. Just too big of odds. Especially in this uh, weight class with these type of fighters. I got Cyphers here. I'm not going to be playing this fight anywhere. Big fat stay away from me. But 30-27. Easy. Who do you have in this fight and I why? agree. I think it's 30-27. I... Escabel could pull out a round, maybe just because she's from an okay camp. I don't know. 
Uh, maybe she can keep her head on straight in there. Maybe something. It's just because Cyphers doesn't have killer power. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that Cyphers really doesn't have going for her. That's why girls tend to go a long time, and Escabel's one of those people that can make it all the way to decision. So Hannah Cyphers' decision... Oh, I I see this being a boring fight by the end, but it could be a ton of points just being laid. I, you know, maybe Jody Escabel just keeps what coming forward and just keeps getting punched. <laughs> I agree. I could see that. That's why I see out of both fighters, Cyphers is the play. But when I saw nine two on DraftKings, it's like, oh wait, no, no, Not never mind. No, never mind. That's a fat, big fat stay away. Out of the two, though, it would only be Cyphers to play there. Just Jody Agree. Escobar. Agree. I just see, I do not see, I don't see any route for Escobar to win that fight. And if she does, Cypher should get on out of <laughs> <laughs> Both of them. She probably get on out of here if that happens. Whoever wins. Yeah. No, Cypher should, should easily walk through this fight. So maybe she should be heavy. Maybe she even should be a 10-8. And around like something I could big see that. Happen. I could easily but, see because I really like Cypher's trajectory. I like the camp she's fighting out of right now for small women. Like uh, who else is out of there? Uh, 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 her name starts with an A. I don't. I'm not sure about Embrace. Who's at Embrace for with Cyphers? Um, I could look it up after we. Get what does she look like? Because I'm pretty good about. She's like 115. Okay. Fair, like Ooh. blonde type hair but maybe it's sandy blonde uh she came out everybody kind of had a her underestimated and then she came out and looked like a world beater i feel like they might have even trained with rose nami Yunus a little bit oh i want to say yoder al albright al Aldridge? J.J. Aldridge. Aldridge? J.J. Aldridge. Yeah, I think maybe that camp. I, you might be right on that. <laughs> J.J. Aldridge is legit. Shake it off, shake it off. She's looked good. Oh, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, shake it off. <laughs> that so, was a lot of information to try to pull out. Hey, I think yeah. we got it. Yeah. I think we I got think it, it solid. That. So, yeah, I like Aldridge in a, in a spot, especially against those type of fighters. But Do you think our fans got it before or after you? I think that's a fun game. I'll try not to ever look it up and just give you tips if I think it's gettable, and then to see if the fans get it first. <laughs> they can <laughs> Let us know if you got it. Or who you say, think it was, yeah. the fans. Who you think the 115 or because we could both be wrong there. I'll... Aldridge could be a Woden 25er for all I You could tweet right out, I beat the bean, and then <laughs> they'll just think you're a racist. But if you're an old fan, you'll get it. You'll you're get an it. OG, legendary <laughs> yeah. OG. Yeah. So, anything left with that no, profile fight. On to bantamweight, 135 pounds. We have Manny, the triangle, Bermudez against Casey, Kenny. I know it's the Bermudez triangle, but it doesn't fit. He's just got to be called the triangle in there as far as we're concerned in here. But we know what we usually get with the... He should be called (laughs) T-City. Just kidding. We have uh, Bermudez coming in and getting finishes in the UFC. Does Kenny kind of look like Hawkeye? I can see that a little bit. A little bit. The perfect... Well, not perfect. The 12-1 Kenny's coming in in a debut short notice late replacement against Ray Borg. Being an underdog and beating Ray Borg, Borg missing weight in that, still looking like doo-doo in there. Not necessarily getting out-wrestled, but uh, Kenny showed a great gas tank in in there, showed serviceable striking, good takedown defense, and even takedowns for that matter. Kenny's going to be a tough guy to deal with in there. Not tons of power, but enough strike acumen to actually hold Borg off a bit, and especially when he was able to fight some of those takedowns off. 
I do think going back and watching that fight, that Kenny might have not deserved that bout, but the not making weight and then just the gassing of Borg didn't help his case in there. But I do think Borg eat that dirty split out in there. It was a decision, but again, go back and look at it. That was that was rough at best. So now a lot of people coming in heavy on Kenny because he did beat a top prospect with Ray Borg because Borg does have heavy duty credentials in there. Again, the all-arounder in there has a tough test against the Bermuda's triangle in there. The 5'10", 135er hurts to make weight. He missed his last weight cut against Bermuda's, losing 30% in there. Still, or against Lopez, I mean, still being able to finish him. Also finished Grant via submission and Morales. Bermudez will jump for guillotines. His striking has gotten better the more we've seen him in there. Actually, his jab against Lopez looked amazing, but Lopez's strike defense didn't look as good, especially in his last fights, even though he won them. Uh, I do like what I'm seeing in the striking evolution for Bermudez, but especially once Bermudez starts the gas, his hands really start to hang low and he loops a lot of those punches and really waits to try to exploit uh, the guillotine in his size. He's like T-City where Bermudez will jump for guillotines, which we don't really like in here, but he's been able to prove that even when he jumps and gives up the takedown. Sabi will do that. Yeah, I, well, I just think all those tall guys right, right. just kind of come over the top, and then it's just they just don't have to jump large to get into right. it. Or they don't have to shoot a takedown and worry about the knees or takedown the fence there. Uh, because even Bermudez will give up the takedown because his game off of his back is so tight and his triangles are so back or so good off of his back that he's like, okay, yeah, I'll give up a takedown and still submit you. It's whether Katie. Kenny has to keep this striking in order to win because I feel like Bermuda striking-wise will be able to take the first round. If this goes to the ground at any point in time, Bermuda has the advantage even off of his back here. But Kenny has shown good fight IQ in here. I'm picking the favorite in a decision here in Bermuda's. I did have him submission. I'm going a decision. But if there's an underdog that I could see myself switching on throughout the night, which there's only one or two. It is Kenny. I think he can put a good enough game plan together in here and keep it where he wants it, and that's a distance striking match decision. Give me Bermudez here. I'm going to be tentative. I'm going to watch weigh-ins, see what happens, because Bermudez is one of these guys that cuts a lot, a lot of weight in there. This is an interesting bout. I'm really excited for this one. The Both more and more I talk about it. guys look really shitty at weigh-ins. Right. Both guys don't look great. I agree with you on Manny with his weight cut. I hope it, it should be interesting. The only finish I see is Manny Bermudez by submission. And I can't see Casey not winning the decision. Because if he figures out the game plan and can keep him at distance, it's now we've just seen it enough times. What I call it is the Damian Maya game plan. If, if you can do that and kind of keep him at bay and use your wrestling in reverse to stay on your feet, I think you can kind of pick these guys apart. Yep. But I do think because these guys ground are so good, like a Khabib, he's starting to work on his punches now and no one's talking about it because he's not getting the opportunity to even show how great it's gotten because he's still getting to use what got him to the dance, you know, kind of right. thing. So we still have no idea how much these guys' hands are improved because we haven't had to see them right. really test it. So 
I, I, I kind of like Manny. He's so young. He, yeah. You just forget how young he Both is. Both of these guys are so young. We have the 28-year-old for Kenny against 25 for Bermudez. I was just going to allude to back to that Uruguay breakdown where I was talking about Burns a lot of the same spot. Burns isn't a better striker than Kunichko in there, Alexi. He just is able to not give a shit because if it goes to the ground at all, he has an advantage. And Bermudez is in this exact same boat. Yeah. So... Interesting how we're seeing these uh, veins of techniques for fighters go, and Bermudez is definitely a submission ace in there, but he but, can yeah, do Yeah, but it. at 25, um, gosh, dude, and at 5'10", you can go up to 145. Yeah, Go up to 145, we might see Excel in your... I have submission round two, and I do like Kenny as well. I think if any guy can eke out a really smart decision and if it goes to decision it will be a smart tedious boring decision yep so if he can be patient and have the ring iq to do that which fighting a guy like borg kind of seems like well he must no borg just turned off like he like you said is just cardio just depleted so he kind of beat a big name but it, it wasn't a great victory so i'm gonna go with bermuda submission round two i kind of think it's one or two that it could happen because mm -hmm. i don't love bermuda's uh, cardio yet but we never have, really have to see so. I would agree because he's like, uh oh, I'm gassing. I'm going to jump for this. I actually had submission round number two Bermudez before I broke it down, and then I'm switched to decision. So I'll probably put a little bit of a prop bet on there, but got to watch weigh ins for that one. Again, that's a really sneaky fight that I think people are going to be surprised about. On DraftKings, the slight favorite at minus 130, Manny, the triangle Bermudez, at 8,400 against Casey Kenny's 7,800 on DraftKings. I actually see myself playing both of these guys because if Bermudez wins it to be a submission over 100 points, he averages 104. So if he gets the finish, worth it. I'm going to probably put him in there 40%. But I think the contrarian play is going to be Kenny. So I see 20% of my cards having Kenny in there at 7-8. Need some of these guys on the little lower range. If he wins, it's a decision and he gets those extra 30 points. Yeah, I think Kenny could be... It's one of those guys that he's going to be so low-owned that he could be on a winning draft, but uh, I think the guy with the points is going to be if you go with Bermudez. So Bermudez is going to win you that first place where Kenny's going to win you cash in a game. And neither guy, I feel like, on a loss is going to cost you two minutes. Like, there'll be 40 points on a loss. That, exactly. A loss. And for that mid-range, 8,000 yeah. to seven eight. This, especially compared to those other fights, this is one that I'm more comfortable yeah. having and exposure Kenny, to. But Kenny's a guy that nobody knows about yet. He's one of those guys yet. I don't know. I think that Borg put him, really opened up a lot of people's eyes because Borg had that hype. He had that hype, hype. Going to finally move up into the lightweights at 155 pounds. We have two returning vets in here with Drakkar Close coming in against Christos Giagos. Close. Having a 10-1-1 record, only losing in the UFC to David Tumor in a decision. Coming back and beating Lando Venata and Bobby Green in a decision in there. Uh, beating Daikesi, I mean the MMA lab guy, closest 
come in here with a solid game plan. He wrestles. He throws calf kicks, which I'm loving. A lot of the, well, not a lot. Some of these MMA lab guys throw calf kicks. Throw car close, throws it, and he throws it Who a lot. Who else comes out of the MMA lab? Ton of people. No, we see a bunch of people coming out of the lab. Oh, I thought you just had some you were going to name oh, off Jamie. the top of your head. <laughs> like, and I just thought it was going to be fun, educational, like, boom. Oh, dang I it. can look it up. I don't I don't even need to know. Sorry. I'm I sure just thought come it was going to be fun. On. Like, you were going to be like, boom, boom, boom. And it was going to be all these, like, slaying calf kickers. Like, oh, Pettis and his brother. Or I don't know. Nope, 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 nope. Not those guys. But I'm sure it'll come to mind. But there's... Sorry. It's interesting. I'm uh, trying to be a D-bag. <laughs> <laughs> MMA Lab guys have a good... Uh, Dwight Grant. He's an up-and-coming prospect at like 170 pounds. High, high stakes. Other legit people. I like the game plans coming out of here. Dirk R. Close is one of these guys out of the lab that's really been putting him on the lab. Who? Alex Caceres, even though he's not super hyped, he's been going to the lab for a little while. He's had a good turnaround in his game plan. But... Again, we know what we're getting with close. Serbo Sobos boxing, uh, great takedown defense where he wants to. He can decide where the fight goes is close because of his wrestling acumen. If he's winning striking, he can keep it standing. But he'll use those takedowns when he needs to. A key to his game plan, though, I think is him coming in heavy with these calf kicks. Did it against better strikers than Giagos. Was really able to exploit them. And he kicks hard. Against Cristo Giagos, he went, gets come to the UFC Gone out, come back in, and had a little bit of a streak now. Losing to Charles Oliveira and coming back. Alex Caceres. Oh, perfect. I got one right in there. Brian Barberina. Love it. Bobby Moffitt. L- didn't do bad last. Vincent Henderson. OG. Uh, Drakkar Close. Boom! I don't know. That's a good enough list. But there's definitely there's some alright guys. There's tons more. There's like, tons more. I like the game plans out of there. They they definitely come. And I have to give a shout out to Sure Dog. I didn't know this existed that I could just go and put in a camp and it would pull up all the people that fought there. Oh oh, Sure Dog. That's old school. That's Bow Dog uh-huh. days. They've I know. I haven't. Been, I just haven't ever. I haven't been in forever. Oh look at Johnny Case. Boom. Lauren Murphy. Boom. Uh, oh, there's legit people there. Yeah. So, so Sean O'Malley. Woo! Sugar Sean. So, uh, Giagos, now that he's been back in the UFC his second time around, losing again to Oliveira, but beating Hirota, which a lot of people saw, and then being an underdog against Demir Hadzovic and winning in a decision two months ago, really using his wrestling in there, getting a ton of takedowns, ending up on top. Giagos' biggest issues has been his cardio. And still, even in that Hadzovic fight, he was able to outgrapple Hadzovic, but it was more position over submission. He was going for the takedowns and reversing Hadzovic, only to end up on top to land. Uh, Pitter-patter strikes, not tons of power. Giagos is just kind of a wrestler with limited boxing and not too much power. That's exactly what Close does. So I feel like Drakkar Close... It's all in the gas tank. And Dakar Close has a gas tank. He can easily throw better output, not get taken down, end up on top. Reverse. I just see that being a sided fight for Dakar Close. Give me a decision. I think it's a 30-27. I don't really think he's in too much danger here. Giagas is striking just... There's power in it, but it goes out the window pretty much a minute and a half into the first round. Who do you have in this fight and why? Close on the tedious grind. I don't think it's going to be anything that's um, super. I just think it's going to be a tedious, very well-played grind. 
I totally agree. I think it could be a little bit boring in there. Uh, close, we like to say, does make it a little close in there just because it gets a little tedious. The minus 210 favorite, Dracar Close is going to be 9,000 on DraftKings against the plus 170 underdog, 7,200 for Giagos. Giagos has impressed me more than I thought, though, and this is a little dangerous if he goes out there at all and just lays David Taymor because David Taymor stopped the takedowns, and once that happened, we saw Dracar Close just shut down. It was just like, the I'm like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, because I just thought he was going to be a hype train who kind of rode sure. through everyone like a young Kevin Lee. Um, so if Giagos goes out there and kind of shuts it down, I hope there's a plan B and he doesn't just like turn off in there and get stifled if that first thing doesn't work. Mm-hmm. That's what I hope for Close. I got Close decision because I really like his trajectory, but Giagos is a young guy too, and I don't think it's going to be a walkthrough. I agree with that, but there's no way I'm playing 9,000 or paying 9,000 for close on DraftKings. I don't think so either. Maybe Giagos at 7 2, but I don't expect him to win, and then I expect him to get out grappled the entire time. So, no takedowns there. So, I think he's Giagos in a loss here scores like 10 points, if that. Uh, but a price stay, big bet, stay away from that one as well. Oof, I don't know. If it stays on the feet, I could see myself playing both guys on minimal cards. Because if it stays on the feet, Giagos has a chance of eking out a decision, maybe even a split decision, mm-hmm. and no one's going to own him. Ooh, And I don't see him getting finished. Interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay away from that one. <laughs> on to 135 pounds, we have a profile fight, one that could be a fight of the night here. With Rafaela Sunsau coming in against Cody Sandhagen. Sandhagen coming off of a profile win. An 11-1 fighter beating John Lineker as of late three months ago in Florida. We watched that bout. It was a clinic in there. The Elevation fighter just showed amazing fight IQ in there. Also beating Mario Batista in his... uh, Early career in the UFC. Also, Yuri Alcantara, Arnett in there. Sanhagen um, is one of these guys who was the TJ disciple, still training over in Northern California. He's a eco-friendly type of guy in there. Doesn't use paper towels is one of his claims to flames. So, Sanhagen has great cardio, great fight IQ, good striking, good kicks. Goes to the front leg well. Throat mixes it up to the body head. I mean, on the ground, more than serviceable. Just he uses toilet paper. He reuses type of he reuses it. He puts it on the side and then uses it over and over. No, (laughs) it's paper towels only. He wipes and then folds. Yeah, and then then saves it and then folds. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, Sam Hagen. I think you were going to come here for that breakdown. Now you you know. Now you know. He's a double (laughs) folder. I think on that alone, I think Raphael. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go on, sorry. Raphael by pink eye? <laughs> yeah. So, Raphael's bidet all day. With uh, St. Hagen, just a prospect with tons and tons of hype in there. Can take a punch as well. But against the Sunsau, he's one of these guys at 27 and 6 who notoriously, notoriously makes everybody look bad in there. He's one of these guys that constantly is an underdog, constantly comes through, beating Rob Font, beating Lopez, Mariah, Morales, Marias, Aljamain Sterling. He's a split decision master in there. 
Great fight IQ as well in there, but at 37 years old, at 135 pounds, he's ancient for this weight class. You're really not going to see too many guys older than that, and the only guys even around his uh, age in there are only on the downswing of their career, and that is a Sun Sao. Last losing to Marias via submission, but it started off with a kick. The most hurt we've seen a Sun Sao there in a while, usually his chin uh, was doing well in there, but now he is getting more rocked. His cardio is still really serviceable in there against the young guy that gasses. They're going to have trouble with a Sun Sao, but against the proven uh, gas tank machine in Sanhagen, going a hard three against high level, high strikers in there, I just see that this is a fade spot against the Sun Sao, and I think a lot of people are in that boat as well. A Sun Sao does tend to make fights a lot slower, a lot. Um, less points just because his opponents know they can't rush him they know they got to be methodical uh the strike acumen usually tends to go down you can't just unload five and six punch combinations because the sun Sao will counter strike you to death in there as well so i got sandhagen in a decision i think this is as close as the line is i feel like the line's pretty right minus 160 sandhagen I see it maybe getting closer for a Sun Sao. I do have a decision. I could see a 29-28 Sanhagen, but I still have Sanhagen pretty much winning 30-27. Just don't like the age and the miles on a Sun Sao at this point in his career. Who do you have in this fight and why? Give me a decision. Gosh, I think Sanhagen can actually get it done. I am not going to be the last person on the hype train this time. <laughs> I... Th I'm not ever. I just see him having a clear way to the number one position of this division and being really worthy of having his name mentioned with the top contenders. I'm actually surprised the Sun Sal's ranked number four. That was what I was looking down and like looking hmm. at their fights. Like, oh, okay, all right. I'm I'm surprised he only lost one time for some reason, uh, by Marlon Marais. I think Sandhagen is just going to be a little better everywhere, and I actually think he can finish a Sun Sal. I do give a Sun Sal a little respect here uh, because Cody is a guy that'll cut somebody by a thousand cuts, but I think by the end of round two, uh, he figures out how to do it. But I'm going to give um, a Sun Sal that uh, a little bit of credit here with, like you're saying, he tends to stifle a lot of guys. I think third round it's a uh, huddled over body shots accumulation Sandhagen KO round three wow well DraftKings' favorite is going to be 8,700 for Sandhagen against the Sun South 7,500 we both see a decision they both have volume no, I, had, I think a finish oh a finish sorry I think either I think a submission or a KO but I have KO right now for Sandhagen so you're going to be paying up for him at 8,700 because he's going to be able to pay that off. I think that's off. pretty easily. He averages with four fights in the UFC 115 points. I think easily that's a very affordable cost for him. I think a lot of people are going to be picking him as well. I don't see myself owning much of a Sun Sao, pretty much 0% of a Sun Sao. I'll probably be like 30% owned on Sanhagen, but I see a lot of the... Sanhagen right now could be my linchpin, but a Sun Sal might be in not very many places. I, I, I could see Sanhagen on like 60% of my cards. I agree, but I also feel like as far as DraftKings-wise, most of the general public is going to be on Sanhagen as well. Mm -hmm. And this is the premier headlining preliminary bout. So this is going to be one that is going to be the last one to play on those all-around cards. Then we're going to go to a main... 
main card this only. This is a perfect card to headline it. This much. is a perfect one. This is going to really showcase these top fighters. Interesting thing, into the Twitterverse a bit, because we're talking a bit about the betting lines. How do you feel about Gianni the Greek better himself coming in and being UFC cancer as far as everything's concerned? I don't know. I don't really... He got it right. He said it would go to decision for Liz Carmouche and Shevchenko. No, he picked Carmouche in that no, fight. No, he said Carmouche to go to decision. So he picked Valentina decision? He picked Valentina, but he okay. thought she, Carmouche could go all the way to decision. And I was like, okay, okay. Uh, the biggest favorite of the night, okay. And then he also picked Vincente Luque, who arguably lost that fight in a split decision. I'm just saying... Fade the Greek is real. Is absolutely real. And last night, did you see him on the Contender Series when he did his little split? Where he literally was like, I picked the underdog, the line moved, and then I picked the underdog again. So I can't lose. And Bisbing, rightfully so, was like, okay, but who are you picking? Then he picked Young. Guess who lost by a submission? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. It is. It's just crazy how he's on ESPN talking about UFC and... He was, what, a baseball better? A soccer better or something like that? So is your thoughts about the Greek that he should get on out of here? 100%. If you guys are tailing the Greek, good luck to you. Because I know as soon as he comes out with those bets, he picked Pava as well. Son of a bitch. Oh, <laughs> I feel like he was life. talking about... Well, he picked Pava as a lady. He picked that fight. He talked oh, to them as yes. ladies. So that tells you the type of research this guy's yeah. doing. Um, just saying, it is... Really uh, unfortunate. There's a lot of people out there that could do much better than that guy out there. Stealing the Greek's name. You have to stop giving him credit. On, you have to stop giving him shout-outs on the show. True. <laughs> well, I'm trying to send hate. I'm trying to tell you guys to stay away. Hate mail. He stole the Greek's name as well, which I hate. If you want to watch a good documentary out there, there is one 30 for 30 on the Greek, and that's where he stole his credit. Because I think we talked about it. Did we already talk about it? Uh, kind of a little bit. Another documentary to watch real quick. It's going to play into the main event. On It's West Side vs. the World. Steve Miocic makes an air. Watch it before the fights. It's going to give you a little bit of into his training. It's not about UFC, but it plays a weird story. Just one of those things to watch on the side. Who, what, DC's? Is it like his YouTube? No, 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 or no. Uh, West Side vs. the World is about... Uh, power lifters and a gym that kind of revolutionized strength training but they're out of ohio and guess the evil eye and stipe both train with them so oh i feel like that just made me take my pick (laughs) just saying pay attention but good stuff coming out out there dc having some profiles on to the pay-per-view if you haven't liked and subscribed if you're not trying to get any of this information out here we throw in it as much as we can on lat B underscore MMA on Twitter, on Instagram. You know where you can find us personally as well. We don't have any other promo codes or anything to drop on before we Not get yet. into the pay-per-view. Not yet. They're still on the way. But I would say uh, for DraftKings, which isn't a sponsor... Uh, for those of you out here who do decide to do that, it is a pay-per-view, and you know what we like on the pay-per-view, the televised-only card. So now we can start talking about the fights, too, and also add that in that, hey, 
this one put on your televised only or this one play on your prelim. Right. I think we should start mentioning it for pay-per-views. Also, were there any fights that fell out of this card before uh, it all started? I actually am lying. I'm lying over here. This is the headlining. This card fell out between Kay Clay Collard as of yesterday against Devontae Smith. So that last one, which made sense as being the headliner preliminary, isn't. Oh, no. It's this one. This is in the same boat as we had that other Granger versus freaking gold fight as of late. I mean, Devontae Smith has been finishing people in there, but he's coming in against a short notice replacement on five days notice in Kamal Worthy. So disregard what I said, but just move it. I'm not going to say it again. Right. About the DraftKings fight. Uh, right. You're right on that. But I ended up watching because this fight did come uh, recently change. Your boy doing the work in here. You're welcome. Watching Worthy's tape before the cast, getting a little bit of study in there. He's a Muay Thai striker, 14-6, and six, fighting out of the 24-7 fighting Eric scene Eric Andres did ago. tape study? Eric Andres came here and did tape study? Eric? Your boy? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Got some help in there. So, lame, um, lame. <laughs> this fight still hasn't been changed on DraftKings as well, but I feel like with the prices the way they are, they're just going to move uh, Worthy into Clay Collard's spot at 7600 And it's because we're getting this fighter coming in beating Adam Ward, TKO punches. A, uh, he was an 18-2 fighter beating the 7-3 fighter. Tends to be a Muay Thai striker. Okay, gas tank. Good takedown defense. Um, leaves his head a bit straight up. Has power, but he's a little bit confident in it. Does fight. I did see him get finished in there against Matt Bassett, who is a UFC uh, 155er in there who's got a couple wins. Bassett kept catching him with an overhand right. And it's just... Kept his head straight on the line. He has changed that a bit, but his opponents have been also middling in there. Worthy's just got too big of a step up in competition level here with Smith. Smith's been coming in with a 10-1 record, beating Erosa, Larry via TKO, getting nothing but finishes in here, having some huge uh, hands literally in there, a factory Muay Thai guy. Great counter-striker, moves forward well, great kick to the leg, but tons of power. We just see him hurt tons of people in there, head on a swivel, uh, throws great combinations in there. And I see this being a striker's delight. I see this being a finish for Smith, round number two. Worthy's tough in there, but I don't think the takedowns accumulate. I've seen better guys try to take down Smith and not be able to get there. This is a young fighter who's only been fighting for... I think maybe two years with Smith, but we're seeing tons of progression even from fight to fight. Where Worthy, it's just an uphill battle. He's going to give a good showing of himself, but he's getting brought in just like Collard was. To profile this before the pay-per-view and get a finish. They wanted to see a dead body in here, and you might get one. In Worthy. <laughs> Who do you have in this fight and why? Same, give me a round number I'm two. I'm following the crowd right behind Smith. Uh, he's a guy that... Um, I, I want to see him against some real competition because I'm scared of a hype train getting started on him and then them throwing him to the wolves and, like, crawling him too fast. Uh, but right now, Smith KO round two. I don't have anything too much to add on it. Um, and you're right. It is these. They should almost have been swapped spots, I yep, think. 100%. But I do think, again... You're going to get a highlight reel for Smith in this, and they're going to be like, oh, it was the headliner, and he performed. Yeah, against a five-day, a, a guy who fought two weeks ago on five days notice. So 
Weigh-ins as well. Watch for that one because Collard, I had heard, um, was having a really tough weight cut is why he had to drop out of that bout. So... On DraftKings, the huge favorite is going to be 9,500, the most heavily owned fighter against uh, the worthy short notice replacement, 6,700. I'm always nervous about <sighs> new guys getting so much, but I'll have them on like 20 or 30%. Well, Smith isn't, but he's his both fights in the UFC, over 100 points. Yeah. I think he easily pays that off. Okay. Do you think, I mean, the highest... I'm going to own him. I'm going to own him. But nine, anyone over that, just nine to me. I, I just think it, it I'm a 20 a or 30%. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right, right, right. Or it's going to be hard in there. I, yeah. So, moving on to the main card, to the pay-per-view. You're going to end up having to shell out a couple bones in here on your ESPN Plus account. So, be sure to look at your local listings. Do get down on this one. We have a 185-pound bout starting this off with... So this is the official start-off. This is the official pay-per-view start-off. We have about at 185 pounds in Derek Brunson over Ian Heinisch. You know how we like Heinisch around here. He's been retweeting, reposting some of Lap B's work, some of our best work we've had, so we really appreciate it out there. And the 13-1... Uh, prospect in here has come in as an underdog against Cata de Zapato, someone we bet here at LIB. Ended up getting through in a decision, beating Ferreira as well. I mean, those are jiu-jitsu aces in there. The checkered pass for Heinish has really put him into um, one of those fighting positions where he's someone who appreciates everything he has, being a former prisoner, all that good stuff in there, but really come back with his wrestling credentials and just showing his toughness in there, showing an amazing gas tank. I mean, gas for days. That's how he broke both of those jujitsu aces, was using his wrestling, using his pressure, his uh, submission defense. And against Derek Brunson, he doesn't have to worry about that as much. He doesn't have to worry about the submissions. Derek Brunson has a few submissions in there, but they usually start off with his hands, then he'll jump on the guillotine or rear naked choke. But by far, Derek Brunson has been a striker who is finally finally sat back into his wrestling that for the bout he had against Thurdoa the first time we've seen Derek Brunson not run in face forward and win a decision with his takedowns and D1 wrestling credentials in there prior to that Brunson lost to Jacare Souza Israel Adesanya via TKO but beating uh, Machida Dan Kelly in there Derek Brunson is a very speckled guy at 35 years old it's hard to know what we're gonna get in here with him I don't know if Brunson's the better wrestling. He has the better credentials because Heinish was in prison <laughs> during that time. But uh, Brunson, if he puts that game plan, it's going to be a really hard what fight for him. What was he in prison for? Did they make a movie about it called The Hurricane? <laughs> he was smuggling a lot of drugs, I believe. And he got caught. In his butt. <laughs> I don't know how it was, but I feel like it was heroin. Uh, could be wrong on that. But he's changed his what did you call it? <laughs> Derek Brunson, if he tries to use that wrestling. Sorry, Walking Phoenix fan. <laughs> he knows. Uh, I could have been a cut, though, in a fight. I mean, with a fight career, could be a split up, but. Could be, could be not. <laughs> could be, could be not. Derek Brunson. If he tries to wrestle, is going to get out ground in that third round. Striking-wise, uh, Heinich has a good chin on him. The more powerful striker here is Brunson. But 
Again, it's if Brunson chooses a strike, he comes in so wild, so on those ice skates that he gives up the takedown. So if he tries that, I see Heinisch just lowering levels and getting the takedown. So in my eyes, I see whatever game plan Derek Brunson tries to do here, Ian Heinisch can neutralize that other than the flat power. So I see actually Heinisch winning a decision here. I think it's a 29-28 for Heinish, he wins the second two, maybe gives up that first round because I think once Brunson really starts to gas in there and slow down, his third round is by far his worst. Give me Heinish a decision. I could even see this being a dirty split. I think it's closer than people have it. Give me the slight favorite in Heinish. Who do you have and why? I just think Heinish is one of those guys that keeps coming on, keeps coming on, keeps coming on, and he is just going to be a little better everywhere to me. And not because Derek Brunson wasn't once there, but he's just not anymore. He's lost a step somewhere and winning to against Elias, a guy who always runs, and that's kind of the way you have to beat him because you don't want to stay at the end of his kicks. So Ian Heinich is going to neutralize all everything that makes Derek Brunson strong. I even think he's better with his hands. Like you were saying, I don't think he has more power by any way shape or form but I do think he has the head movement and boxing credentials to get out of the way of that power which is going to gas Derek Brunson I just don't know if that chin holds up I could see a third round finish for Heinich or even a second round finish because finish for Heinich finish uh, because Derek Brunson's chin uh, just won't hold up to me uh, Elias is a guy that never lets it go but anyone that lets their hands go with Brunson anyone always wins so Heinich KO I have round three right now if I were to see a finish wow Brunson's got ton of power of, of course he's got that puncher's chance which most people do in there um, but he's done it in a few other fights, so it does. it's not unreasonable in there. But I also like what you're saying with the late round finishing here because even as I'm saying, Brunson's third round is by far his worst, and that's where Heinrich really looks good at, really good at times. On is Drag it Kings, crazy to say that Brunson can be a karate guy? No. Like, that's his type. That's what he beats. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he wins and Heinich is definitely not that no definitely not that the favorite's going to be 8,800 on DraftKings for Heinich against Brunson's 7,400 the plus 145 underdog do you see yourself picking Brunson in there at all on DraftKings mm, no I agree I only see a play on Heinich there but at 8-8 eight, eight, on an average of 71 points with the amount of uh Maybe grappling kind of strikes. I think I'm going to probably be in that 30% range of Heinrich. Maybe 5% Brunson just because he has that type of power to knock anyone out. But yeah, maybe 0%. But 5% if that Brunson just to hedge my bet on that one. I don't like... Oh, there is a finish. I could see the finish for either guy there. Ooh, that's an interesting one I to open up the pay-per-view. finish. I like Heinrich. All the way there. Yeah, everywhere. Everywhere I see myself playing them a little, like at least 30%. That, yep, yeah, I like that. At I like that as well. At least 30%, and I do not see myself playing Brunson anywhere. Anywhere. At 145 pounds, we're going to have Sadiq Youssef coming in against Gabriel Mowgli Benitez. We have Benitez coming in with a 21-6 and six record. The Mexican fighter has been over at AKA for a long time, training with the champ, getting ready with all those Russians. I mean, do you see that room at AKA? Do you see the freaking 
wrestling matches with Khabib and all those Russians in there. The raw masculine, the stench of hair carpet. I Mowgli Benitez <laughs> is in the background getting it done with the a bunch of killers. Of hairy chests and hair <laughs> it does carpets. look like you can smell your TV when those are on, right? <laughs> yeah, like, it just seems like a whole Dank bunch of warm. Musk. It probably feels like the Everglades in there. Yeah. Gators bathe on the side because of the warm stench coming out. Woo! Yeah, I, that's how I picture it and i think there is a lot of guys in the world that they're the toughest guy in the room except when they're in that room oh it's beast that's what i'm saying beast in there and benitez has been there for a bit now since he came off the the contender series or the tough show tough house he's been over at aka training in the states beating jason knight as of late beating bandanay losing to enrique barzola beating sam cecilia Andre Touchy Feely got it done in there as well. Benitez, he is a 31 years old, got a great left body kick, great left kick in general, will throw it incredibly hard. One of the harder kickers you'll ever hear in there in general. Wrestling has gotten better, especially being at AKA with all those Russians. Um, not tons of power in his hands, it's solid boxing. Uh, doesn't go for the takedowns too much. And against Sadiq Youssef, it's going to be hard to get him down in there. Sadiq um, coming in with tons of hype. Being off of that contender series. Being a big underdog in there. Winning that against Davis. Coming in, knocking out Mokhtarian. Last beating Sherman Marais in there four months ago. Really showing uh, a lot of heart in there. I think having his brother pass away right before that. Some touching stuff happened with Youssef there. But really coming into his own now. Oh, his only loss in there, really interesting one against Luis Gomez. Went back and watched that fight, how it finished. Luis Gomez should be in the UFC. He threw this type of a modified Japanese wizard where when he threw it and stepped through the side, Sadiq Yusuf face planted. And he's done it to a couple guys in there. So uh, it was real. Other than that, we've only seen Sadiq really perform at a high level. He is a Nigerian fighter. We've been talking uh -oh. about that Nigerian contingency. Uh -oh. They're All taking those guys. over. So, Wakanda forever. <laughs> he is one of those guys. Um... See, if I said, who's in the Nigerian camp, you'd, you'd know. I'd say Yusuf 100%. No, but you would be oh, able Wakanda to name, forever. Other, you would name other fighters that oh, were yeah. Nigerian. Like how I asked the MMA lab question, and you were like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, but I, if I said, for fans that maybe just started to listen, if I said, who would be some other awesome Nigerian fighters, you would say. Kamara Usman. The right. champ. The champ. <laughs> <laughs> And definitely other ones making names for themselves in there. Uh, against Benitez, um, Yusef has the speed advantage and he has the power advantage. I haven't seen his body tested too much and I think Benitez could have... Uh, I'm going to go into my Mexican conspiracies here because I was always told the boxing growing up if I was going to have to box a Yukanda uh, Forever fighter that had a solid... Uh, Yukata. <laughs> That's Yusuf's Wakanda. <laughs> Wakanda forever. <laughs> Go to the body. Go to the body is what always I was told to the head. Go to the body. That's where you'll soften him up. Then you'll be able to either finish him there or to the head. Think Benitez's body shots, body attack can play a role here. I don't have enough confidence though to not pick Yusuf here. He is the better fighter all the way around. I don't think this goes to the ground anywhere. If it goes to the ground, I could see uh, Benitez also having a slight advantage just with all of the grappling acumen he's going to have with all those Russians. 
I would actually want to see him go there, but other people have tried on Yusef, and he's so explosive that he showed good uh, get-up once he's gotten taken down. So there's a reason he's a big favorite, but I might take a couple shots on the dog here against Benitez, and I think there there could be body shots open. Give me Yusef decision in this one, though. I don't know if the finish accumulates here. I feel crazy, but I feel like the lines are way, way, way off. I think they should be a lot closer. Uh, I don't understand how, why Gabriel Benitez is such an underdog. What am I missing? It's what did the, I miss? It's the way that Yusef knocked out, uh, got a couple finishes, his body type. Yes, he looks good against German Marais, but that guy hasn't had the best career in the UFC as of late, but he's been putting it together. I mean, he just looks intimidating, and he does throw great leg kicks uh, to the head and body. I really like Yusef's game plan all the way around, but I think he's a little more decision-y than people like to, to, to think in there. And okay, I got a decision. I think I can take some stabs at Benitez here, especially on DraftKings. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the favorite, minus 350, Yusef, 9,300 against Gabriel Benitez is 6,000. 900. Yeah. If, I think Benitez, I think you could play him on a few. I feel like I might play them both equal amounts. Intr- yeah, I, I agree with that. I myself going heavy on either guy, and I feel like I might play either guy on a few. I agree with that. Again, I can't flat out pick Benitez, but Six, I think he's nine? about. Right? It's, that's too much. I don't much. see him getting finished. It's too much. Too, I too have much. use of decision as well, but... Gosh, like you're saying, if you if he goes to the body and slows down his cardio and takes away his power... Gosh, give the Mexican the cardio all day. All day. That's racist, but whatever. We're going to see. That one's an interesting one. You're picking the favorite as well, decision. Uh, yes, got to. I'm being swayed. Yeah. It's too much of a favorite, but I kind of disagree with it. But last time I disagreed with something like this, I know I distinctly um, i am glad I went with the heavy sway on. Right, 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 know. right. So... Um, anything left with that about no. at 145 pounds? Let's move it into the body. Into USADA's number one nightmare. We have Yo Romero coming in against Pola Costa. If, I mean, I'm still unbelievably surprised that these guys are still, well, actually, Yo Romero just won $27 million for a tainted supplement. So, um, He's coming He's like, in. This body is natural. All natural at 42 years old. The 13 and 3 fighter is coming off of a loss to the champ Whitaker in a split decision, which a lot of people think he won. One of the rounds of the year, that second round against Whitaker is unbelievable. Yul Romero is made of iron. You Many just rewatched people. it. Oh my, it's oh. so fucking good. It's one of it's the best so rounds. So good. Ever. It's all over YouTube, so you don't even have to get like the garbage sped up feed with like yeah. the fuzz. Oh, it was so such a fun fight to watch. Prior to that, Romero knocking out Luke Rockhold. He also finished or he also lost the Whitaker prior to that. Only other loss finishing split decisioning Souza. I mean the wrestling credentials the body, everything for your Romero, heavy striker. You can kick him in the head. I mean, one of the kicks that Whitaker landed on your Romero would have killed a lot of other men. And he just ate it and was like, okay, fuck you. Because it deflected up his shoulder. Oh, that weird God. shoulder was like... Your Romero's neck wasn't attached to his spine. And he was walking and talking because he has such big and strong of a neck. 
where there was doctors that said, I'll operate on you, but you, I will never fight again. There was, he found one doctor in Florida that said, we can do it. And Joe Romero was like, I got God. I got God behind me. I have Jesus. Gay Jesus behind me. <laughs> Woo, he's too close to say anything about his gay Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joe Romero, I mean, he's got power into the third round. He'll be losing a fight by all measures and all of a sudden throw a double flying knee out of nowhere and finish him. He can throw you from anywhere. He throws leg kicks. He checks kicks. Has tons of punches. Coming in against the other hottie with the body. We have Paula Costa coming in with a perfect 12-0 record. Last beating Uriah Hall would be a body Even, shots. don't you think his picture, he's like, is he trying to model here? I, when we that the boy band, that little boy band thing we had, I had number one, Paulo Costa, in my boy band, the U-Sync, U-F-Sync. <laughs> like, I didn't really make one. I just picked out heads that were the easiest fit on what I was trying to do. Oh, really? I, yeah. went, I went ham with it. Yeah, you went really, you picked out real Sexy good, boys. Yeah, I just was like, here's all different types. I'm not trying to be, and I even put, that's why I put Jessica and Draj. I'm like, I'm not even trying to be, <laughs> I'm not trying to say it's a boy band necessarily with my air... Quote, but uh, yeah, look at his, his lips even seem puckered. Yep, duck face number one, duck face buddy. He looks like uh, he could be related to Ricky Martin. Oh, a hundred percent. In his good years, because I saw that Versace the other day, I was like, where do I know this guy? Do you oh, think if I put Ricky Martin's face over his on the main the card, the pick card, anyone would notice? No, I, I think, don't think they I would. don't think they would either. I'm gonna. That's a great call. That's a great call. <laughs> so Paula goes to coming in. Upside inside. <laughs> coming in and, and beating Alualo Bamboje, which isn't really to say too much. McLennan in there. Also beat Johnny Hendricks, the former champion a year ago. But Uriah Hall, out of all those, is probably the best that I've seen as of late a year ago. Uh Costa. Cuts hard at 28 years old. He's got, I mean, great strikes. Hard punches. Throws them straight and down the line. Good head movement. But the fighters he's been fighting have been so many levels lower. I mean, Uriah Hall, Joe Romero. Who wins that fight? Joe oh Romero all day, right? Not even in the oh same category. Anybody, anybody that Costa's fought against Joe Romero, they don't win that fight I don't give a damn. You're beating a bare knuckle boxer and you think you get to fight you all. <laughs> bare knuckle boxer that lost, I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, can't take too much champ. in that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Paulo Costa, even though he looks good, he just hasn't been tested in a three, let alone five round fight where Yo Romero has been in that title contender for years now. Now the thing, I was listening to the the ATT uh, team champion who was his corner. He's got a great corner in there on the or on the Hawani show talking about them even potentially trying to take him down. I could be wrong on that. Maybe it was a different one, but uh, either way, with Costa, other than the flat striking, which we've seen Yo Romero have great fight IQ because the few times he has been tagged up in there against as good as strikers, he's immediately like, fuck this shit, I'm about to double leg you across the entire cage, and then you're not getting up once I get on your back, because if you want to talk about hips, 
This man comes in doing backflips at 43 He's got years old. The hips. The hips. That's what the, the soldier of God was made. The mold was broken after them hips. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, with, Cuba. Oh, man. I mean, it's unreal. This is what I wanted to say is the camp of Costa was actually talking about how they're ex- hopefully expecting a 42-year-old to come in and finally look like a 42-year-old. I've been watching that Instagram doing research late at night on both of these guys. Extra late. <laughs> still bodied up. He looks as good as he fucking ever has. Your Romero's doctor's still on point. You better fucking believe that. Give me your Romero. TKO round number two or three. I was leaning more on three just because I don't think Costa's proven that yet. Your Romero has. He has more avenues. He has more lanes to go in. And wrestling's a big part of that. And he will go to that if he starts to get beat down. Give me the Cuban. Don't you think he could, if it goes to decision, he could lose the decision? No, because I think he gets a takedown out of the two. Costa doesn't have a good takedown defense. But don't you think... Kind of. Yeah, and he, he... It's... It's almost like Yoel also plays possum. A hundred percent. But that's the Cuban style, which Masvidal even talked about a bit. I know, but that that style almost of playing possum is uh, could cost him, or it can't almost go to decision sometimes with him. Where it's like, oh, he needs this round. He needs to win. But you're like you're saying, he shows that if he knows he needs a round, he always gets it. He especially for a three round fight. Right. I'm giving Paulo Costa a little bit of credit. I think he's going to take the beating, and it's just going to be like back to the drawing board for him. I still think we see him coming up the ranks. Just, I don't know what it is with Yoel Romero. He could be a military robot. Yeah, he, he could a, a freaking Cuban. Like Nigeria, Cuba has some murder. Uh, Yoel Romero, uh, lappy conspiracy here. He's a genetic test that got out. <laughs> they couldn't contain him and he broke like out. Like the Montauk monster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now he's just a world champion wrestler and unbelievable. I got Romero decision. Uh, I'm interested to just see the takedowns over and over again and how that goes. Uh, if Yoel gets caught coming in, how if, how the elbows might accumulate. But also, I think Paulo Costa could... Um, Gosh, I think he could get flatlined for sure. Yeah, for I think sure. He could get flatlined. For this sure. is where Costa, even though we really like his strikes, there was point in times against his competition where he was putting it on heavy on them, and uh, that was the times he was leaning a little bit. And what have we been seeing more of late, especially on everywhere, is that flying knee on somebody moving forward. That is exactly forward. what I was thinking. So, that is exactly what I was picturing. I could see Costa even wobbling I wanted Romero. to say like Chris Weidman, but I don't yep. see Paul Costa going, coming in for a takedown then like It's Chris not Weidman a takedown, but it's, it's not punches. not a takedown, but it's still so fast. Punches. And then your Romero going straight up in the air, so I actually see a knee finish kind of happening in this one in round Should number two or three. We need to call that the Cuban Missile. Yeah, for real. That knee needs to be renamed. For reals. On DraftKings, I want to change mine to KO round three, but I have decision. I still think it'll. What? Tell me how much they're cost. On uh, well, the minus one sixty favorite Yo Romero against, or is going to be on DraftKings eight thousand six hundred against Paulo Costa seven thousand six hundred plus one twenty five. I honestly see the line being off here. I could easily put three to one on Yo Romero and pay that. Wow. Yeah, I just it's a puncher's chance for Costa, and that's it for me. Who is he beat? 
Well, I mean, everyone he's fought so far. But, but I mean, in the grand scheme I understand, of... but also Robert Whitaker, as much as everybody loves Bobby Knuckles, he has sketchy stuff that has happened in his last fights. I could go through, like, the win against Bobby Knuckles. Some people feel like Yoel won. Yep. But how did Bobby Knuckles get his belt? From Yoel the first time? Did he win it in a match because somebody stepped down out of it? Um, did he beat, I can't remember, I can't think of it off the top of my head, who did he beat for I the I feel belt? like Yoel Romero. I feel like it was I feel like, like right. hanging above the stage and it was a ladder match or something. <laughs> uh, so we beat Yoel, so in a weird way, because of the Bobby Knuckles twice, we've gotten to see Bobby Knuckles fight a potentially old Yoel Romero. Because Yoel Romero's also beat the likes of a Chris Weidman, which you could argue that he's passed he his was, prime. And he was losing the that The likes of a Luke Rockhold, who you could argue he's way past his prime. So it's almost like if it is a young man's sport, that is the way that Paulo Costa could win, which it always could be a young man's sport. And if he figured it out, and I want to even say he called out Yoel Romero. I feel like he did as well. It always makes me nervous when a fighter calls out the other fighter i always think they saw something that they're like oh i got that i got that yep. and it, if he handedly wins against yoel i think it easily puts him in line for the he's a top three contender all of i a think sudden. he fights the winner of adesanya bobby Nuts. that's exactly um, what i would say so as well. i might have him on 20 percent of my cards and yoel on like uh, 50 i agree with that i like the 50 percent on yoel romero i'm gonna do probably 10 percent paulo costa as well do we see this going the distance? I kind of could, too. I agree. And that's where, if it goes the distance, that's where I think Boronchina could eke it out a split decision because of the plain possum of Yoel Romero. And giving up the rounds. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, interesting Woo! bout. Interesting bout. On to. So right now we both have KO round three, right? Yes, or you K- moved it up I, to round two. Uh, I went back to round three. Three. Okay. Three. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So Thanks. put a bet on it. Yeah. Round number three, Yoel Romero. Oh on my two. gosh. And you already knew you were every time it's a pay per view, you get a longer. Oh, all the time. We've gone two hours easy on pay per views. Yeah. Everybody okay. know okay. that. Everybody <laughs> know that. Come on. Come on. You ain't coming for nothing. On to the co main event. We got a profile fight in Nate Diaz up against Anthony Showtime Pettis. Nate Diaz being removed. Over three, almost three years, two years, 11 months from Conor McGregor, which arguably he won that second bout. I say he won that second match. Uh, but it was closer than was the first. Close. It was close. But he's really just, we don't know what we get. Well, we do know what we get with him from him because it's a grappling game. It's volume, kill you by a thousand cuts. Good boxing, does not check leg kicks on the ground. Nasty submissions, good reversals. Um... And that's Diaz in a nutshell. I mean, he's a guy who takes a... You can't... You have to, again, beat him with a chair to get him out of there. He's not going to quit on himself. He's one of those guys that's been TKO'd only once. And it was a standing TKO where he didn't go down, but it was like, dude, you just ate 15 shots in a row. Like, it's over. It's over. That was Thompson. Exactly. 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 He's too tough for his own good. But there's been a lot of news coming out on him. Did you end up catching the Brett Okamoto 40-minute interview with Diaz? I ended up catching it last night doing my research. That's why I listened to the show. <laughs> <laughs> and Diaz is really, he's always had issues with the media. We know that. That's why he's had issues with the UFC because he doesn't like doing this. And my boy Alpaca, I miss you. 
I miss you, Apagathosaurus. <laughs> yeah. Because I want him to break Old down what's going out. on. Because there's multiple times where Nate Diaz stops the interview like they, Brad Okamoto asks some questions about the division. And Diaz is just kind of like, man, I need to go get a drink. Man, I don't want to talk about this. Man, I'm boring. Then when he asks him about the division, Diaz is talking about, well, who's the 155 champ? Who? Uh, Hab- uh, McGregor kind of right and he's like Habib okay that's right I could be Habib I've been saying that and then he's like who at 170 and Brett Akimoto's like uh, Usman and Diaz didn't say shit Diaz was like everybody's lame I'm the best what I, and it's very nonchalant he's been saying it for a while but his perturbedness to his he's also saying that he's making more money selling weed and hanging out but he's getting bored of that and he still trains every day which i agree we know the diaz brothers have that cardio for days because they're triathletes and that's just their lifestyle to keep them out of trouble so we're gonna get an amazing gas tank in here from him in the three round bout at 170 pounds which he's fought more from before at once and so is anthony pettis coming in the wheaties box guy at 22 and 8 last beat Steven Thompson in a KO of the year. Is this just me or in this picture? His just... jaw's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it okay. looks a little junky. But I don't think he's ever had jaw re- reconstruction that I know Ooh, of. Ooh, it looks like it healed wrong or something. Pettis is one of these guys, when he gets hurt, he gets hurt. Like his dis- shoulder dislocates and like his hands break. And it's devastating. But, you know, he'll get it done in there. At 22-8, and eight, coming off of that big win over Thompson in that uh, Superman punch. Bouncing off of the cage and landing it. Really talking about how not cutting weight really helped him out in that fight. He felt better. He was starting... It wasn't an easy fight. Anthony Pettis' biggest issue because all around he has championship level jiu-jitsu, championship level striking. It's just sometimes it's hard. Sometimes he just doesn't want it. And that's where Tony Ferguson, guys who don't stop moving on him. Poirier, guys who just keep pushing are able to break him. Poirier says, I broke the rib, or the man, not the rib. And that was, again, just Anthony Pettis not being um, confident in himself. But now without the weight cut, he's saying he's feeling different. And they both are motivated because Pettis is saying that Diaz is making fun of him because of Wheaties and it's personal. And Pettis doesn't ever get personal with stuff in there. So the interesting things in these bouts that keep sticking out to me is the lack of leg kick defense for Nate Diaz. And then on the ground where everybody's going to give Nate Diaz a big advantage, Anthony Pettis is a legit black belt who submitted some of the best jiu-jitsu guys in the world. So first person to submit Benson Henderson as a huge underdog, um, which not, that ain't easy. I think not a lot of people would be able to do that. But with the striking in the Muay Thai as well, this was the coach I was hearing talking about. Pettis' coach was talking about Pettis maybe even taking a takedown, which nobody sees happening against Diaz because that's Diaz's biggest advantage other than the volume boxing. And I see Anthony Pettis um, potentially getting broken that third round, but I don't see it getting there. I honestly see these leg kicks adding up heavy. Diaz brothers don't check leg kicks, and Anthony Pettis, if he gets it going, especially to the calf, I think it changes. Could even see... I I could even see a submission on the ground because I think if you underestimate Anthony Pettis, how strong he is off of his back, his triangles, and how he really flows better than most people think, I think he's got a really good shot of finishing this fight, especially with the three years off and just the interview and just the whole demeanor of Diaz. They have their own uniqueness, but to me, it was interesting. I'm going to have Pettis Don't you finish. think... 
Round uh, number two. Okay, I'm gonna here. I'll run through mine and then okay. we'll we'll keep show. going. We'll keep going. Okay, I thought the fire, fire distinction is going to be Nate has a weak body and they don't check leg kicks. But I rewatched some of the Diaz fights and tons of checks. And not only is there tons of checks from Nate different than Nick, is he checks and then comes in with a five punch combination check with like a heavy lean forward it, it's somewhere he maybe learned it or it takes him like the first round he doesn't give a shit about it and then it adds up but he makes everyone pay for every single leg kick he'll set up a two punch combination and then also come forward with the because he's not worried about getting taken down i agree with what you say a little bit that um Pettis has a good ground game, but I almost think Nate Diaz is Tony Ferguson with better boxing, a little less on the ground, a little less on the ground. Um, he's jujitsu heavy, where mm-hmm. Tony's better a wrestler. Um, but I think that wrestling knowledge before going into jujitsu for Tony has brought this whole. That's why we're watching Tony just take leaps and bounds there. At 170 for both guys, I don't even care about talking about the Conor McGregor. The only thing I think you can take from those fights is you have to throw a refrigerator at Nate Diaz to get him out of there. Yeah, like there's 100%. no getting him out of there. Um, the first fight he took on that short notice, I think he's a madman. The other thing I have to say about Nate is, for all intents and purposes, he was training for a far harder fight with Dustin Poirier. So taking this against a guy that's not a natural 170, I think is the smart move on his part. And this is a division no one's talking about. This division is set up of UFC superstars that can fight for money. And I think there's only four guys in the division and I could be wrong. I think it's Pettis, Diaz, McGregor, and Gamebred. At 55 or 70. Exactly. Who cares? It doesn't matter. All of the guys fight all of those positions, so I think they can all be comfortable 170ers, but I think it's their own division. I think it's a superstar elite division where belts don't matter. Right, right, right. It's them just fighting because they're fun. Yeah, and I think I'm, I like the layoff for Diaz, and I actually don't like how many wars Pettis is just like in there, in there, True. in there. He's not like the other superstars where he's sitting back and taking that time off in between. Who do you think you are, BJ Penn? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so, and if you look at the streak of um, Pettis, it's win one, lose one, win one, lose one. If Diaz wins this, he's going to fight Connor. Like, everybody prepare for it. We're going to see it. Connor will be on Twitter tweeting it out. Uh, I got Diaz taking the decision because um, he just keeps coming forward. And as the fight goes on, he will take Gets over. Better. Yeah, yep. he will take over. And by the end of it, uh, it will just be an onslaught. Or we're watching Nate get eight punch combinations, just keep coming forward, coming forward. We're like, oh, at least both guys too, tons of scar tissue. So we could see tons of brutal cuts and bloods on blood both sides. everywhere. I got Diaz's decision. I have an underdog, but it's not a heavy underdog. I actually think the line's right here. I agree with the line being right here. This is pretty much a pick. A minus 125 slight favorite for Anthony Pettis on DraftKings. You're going to end up paying 8300 against the Minus 105, 7,900 for Nate Diaz. This is a super fight. This is a great fight. This, this is, is a fun fight. For, great co-main event. This is a very friendly gift from Dana White to DC because this is the only thing kind of making it worth a pay-per-view. Right. 
Like, not that there isn't great fights on this, but pay-per-view status or super fight status, this is a super fight. This is definitely a great fight. I'm going to put both of these guys on here. I think I'm going to probably go, like, 30% D or 30% Pettis, 15% Diaz, because I like what you're saying. I do, and even I'm saying it, that third round is going to be the hardest for Pettis. Or, or, yeah, I've gone back and far. forth on the fight it's a close so fight. many times. It's a close and fight. I love that the Diaz, like you're saying, they always stay in shape. They always mm-hmm. train. Uh, I like the time off in between because the one thing people always say about him is that he's, you know, punchy. And so if that CBD oil's working, then his brain's healing and he's ready in there and he don't give a shit. And if he makes it personal in there, that's where Diaz thrives as well. Burns the cardio out. These are two pros. I love this fight. This is a great, great I hope fight. both brothers are ringside. I hope they tag team. I hope Hacksaw Jim Duggan comes Hell in. Hell you. Hell yeah. So, how much do you think you're going to be playing him on DraftKings? 8-3 for Pettis. 7-9. I like Diaz. Diaz. He just keeps throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing volume. and throwing. So, I like Diaz. I got Diaz on. He could be my lunch pen. Ooh. And I could have Pettis still on like 10%. Because I don't think he's going to be a card squasher. Right. I see both guys, both guys' folly here is going to be their bodies. I see both guys having soft bodies in this fight. Interesting. It's going to be hands from uh, on Pettis' body, and it's going to be kicks on Diaz's body. That's exactly body. what I was going to say. Exactly what I was going to say. As much as you you think, I think leg kicks are going to matter enough that a couple of body kicks are going to get in there and just buckle Diaz. But that's where Diaz, falling on the floor backwards, is Pettis going to want to go down there? He I'm, lays nasty elbows, too. He I'm didn't saying, care about going down there I'm, with Tony. And I'm saying Pettis is good on the ground. Too. Yeah, he, did, fun fight. he did not Such care about going fight. down there it's such a fun fight. I'm excited for that one. He didn't care about going down there with yep. Tony, and if not for the razor elbow of Ferguson, that could have been a whole another look. Yep. I don't know. Crazy fight. Crazy, crazy fight. Crazy fight. Such a fun pay-per-view. Definitely one to watch. We finally made it to the main event. And we didn't even talk about Thompson, <laughs> Stephen Wonderboy, but I don't think it really matters I so agree. much. But the Michael Johnson fight, I think, is a nice comparable fight to what could happen if it stays on the feet. Okay, I'll get off of it. Move on to the main event. Heavyweights, 265 pounds, what we all came here for. We have Daniel Cormier coming in against Stipe Miocic. Daniel Cormier coming out with his details on ESPN. Also having his um, show that Ariel Hawani did on him about his life. If you want to cry, watch that damn show. If you want to see Daniel Cormier's life, he absolutely loved it. He's been saying nothing but good things. It's an autobiography of his life. They came and brought out his childhood wrestling guy who was always his nemesis who he lost. They talk about his, I mean, Daniel Cormier is a rough Do they talk about fight. his time on Family Matters? <laughs> <laughs> now at 240, he's looking like Carl Winslow all day. <laughs> all day, all day. But Cormier, I mean, longtime professional champ. The only guy who could ever beat him. John Jones, everybody knows that. Everybody's waiting for that fight. But DC saying, he's not saying this is his last fight, but it could be. Because he's already tried to retire twice, but they just keep bringing him back in. They're like, hey, we'll give you another $3 million to fight Derek Lewis. He's like, okay, that guy's got a bad back. We'll give you pay-per-view buys. It can't just be any pay-per-view. you got to put a McGregor, a Diaz. Right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> true, true. True, but it does help. It does bring that name in here. Um, but we know what we're getting with the AKA star, the captain of the team, the wrestler for a long time. Great high crotches, um, great jabs, looking light. Do you think he's a pound for pound? He's 
in the talking, but he's not as definitive as others. Like, if you threw his name in there, I wouldn't say no. But if you were, like, gun to my head, I wouldn't say... I wouldn't make him the number one. No way. Right? It's but so you got to talk about him up there. Yeah, it's so weird. It's interesting route the way Gosh, his career played out. I don't even know out. if he's in the top ten. Really? I don't know about that. I could see him being top five. I don't know. How do you lose twice in less than five years of because time of the, and still get to Because the, the asterisks. The asterisks. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So... So, with Daniel Cormier, uh, he got it done already. They fought once before. This is a rematch. Stipe waited a whole year Maybe plus. Maybe top ten. Maybe top ten. <laughs> he ended up, uh, Miocic ended up losing with a punch out of the clinch in the second round. Right hand, flooring him, then the ground and pound, finishing it up. It was absolutely brutal in there. But Miocic looked good in the first round. Daniel Cormier was not having a walk in the park. Miocic was definitely showing great boxing. As I was saying, Westside Barbell, uh, these guys have been training um, sports athletes in over on the West Coast in Oregon when I was in the 2000s learning about strength training. My coach who went to Oregon State, my weightlifting coach, uh, ended up talking about these guys that now have a documentary about all the X amount of records. So Stipe has a legitimate professional uh, training camp in there as far as getting him where he needs to be conditioning-wise. And I've been liking Stipe's body in there as far as the stuff I've been seeing on Embedded. He looks as slim as he ever has. You don't think he's Ah, no. I feel like he's always talked that way. But I feel like lean down-wise, he's always just been like, I don't care about the weight cut. Where now he looked like, oh, shit, he actually looked like he put muscle on. Hmm. Where Daniel Cormier has let himself go. <laughs> yeah, Cormier. I almost feel like the only reason he's still fighting is because his wife's like, look, bub, when you're done with this UFC, you are getting back in shape because this is not healthy for you and your diabetes and whatever. So he's like, Dana, I'll take one more fight. <laughs> He will break three twenty easy, Daniel Cormier. I that's a that's a bet. Wow. He'll break three twenty in his life. Wow. He might not ever talk about it. I hope he. Um, yeah. So, if, if, do you think now? Let's talk about this before. Oh shit, that's a lot. But 300, 300, I'll just say that. Yeah, because I was like two eighty five or whatever. Three hundred. He'll break. Do you think the winner of this is fighting John Jones? Do you think Steve? That's in the, the only talks fight. That? That's the only fight. Yes, Steve is in the talks for that because John Jones is kind of well. No, he said no, but. At least for Cormier. Yeah, maybe not with Stipe. I know with Cormier, if Cormier wins, that's the only fight. And even Cormier said it. And people are already talking about it. Do you think he can get back to 205? No. But that's what he wants, right? The 205. Yeah. Daniel Cormier's body's making changes. Once a young man like Daniel Cormier gets to a certain age, (laughs) it doesn't come. Like, you can see his bones are changing. So he is definitely going to have... Issues on that later on. His bones are changing. (laughs) Steve Miocic, though, great boxing. Take down the fence in there. Good counter striker. Throws a great right straight as he's moving backwards. That's what he caught Verdum with. That's what he caught a lot of other guys with. But doesn't have to worry about that against uh, Cormier. Cormier's an advanced striker in there. Actually had a good game plan. They noticed. Cormier talked about it. They noticed that out of the break, Steve Miocic leaves his hands down. Daniel's talked about this, so Miocic is hurting. Do you think he puts it up? Do you think that Cormier's saying this because he's like, cool, because we got three other things that we see with you. We didn't see much of the wrestling in play here, but the D1 wrestling for Miocic, 
I mean, it stayed pretty much a striking match. Uh, power, you can't really give it to either guy. Both guys were getting hurt. It's a really, really interesting stylistic matchup. But I think that Miocic actually makes the advances and backs off a lot more. I think that Miocic, instead of being in the pocket and realizing that Cormier is just a little fighter in the in that clinch uh, range, where Miocic was having a lot more... Uh, strength with his jab on the outside i think this actually turns into more of a decision but i do think that cormier can still eke it out with three rounds maybe four rounds but i can see this turning into a dirty split and it's rare we say dirty splits up here in these type of fights but i gotta again three to two rounds and it could be either way i could see miocic taken away but i don't see the finish as much anymore i think these guys are going to be much more measured because yeah, they both were hitting each other, and they're both like, all right, I don't know if we want to do that again. We've seen it in other fights. T. Wood versus Thompson. The first fight was fire because Thompson didn't realize how hard he hit. Second time, Thompson was like, all right, man, I'm just going to fucking stay on the outside the entire here. fight. Yeah, like, man, I'm not going to get in there. Exactly. And I kind of see Miocic going to try that. So give me Cormier in here. Decision. Slight favorite. Who do you have in the night? Hmm. I actually have it. I think Stipe is going to knock Daniel out. Woo! He made the changes. I think he, it, not only, I think he's going to take that punch. I just don't think, he's not taking fights every six months, every eight months. He took like over a year off, let things heal up, changed some things in the game. I think when you're fi- fighting as frequently as he was, you're laying down a lot of tape consecutively. A lot of tape in a row where you're just, te- you know, working on the same game plan kind of over and over again, where you find yourself changing for each opponent as opposed to working on new stuff. I think Stipe's only had one goal since he got knocked out. He was caught, you know, obviously, but I hope he makes the adjustments here. Uh, I don't, I think he finishes his fight. I think he gets his belt back and I think that's why DC's kind of already planning the after fight he knows he's going to lose weight and go down and fight John Jones again or fight him at heavyweight or I don't know I don't think there's any reason I don't think John Jones needs to fight Daniel but I think watching Daniel knock out Stipe the first time might give him the cojones to be like I'm going to move up and take that belt but and watching John Jones fight in his last fight, maybe he needs to move up and fight an older guy instead of all these young, hungry gents coming up. I got Miocic K around four. Wow. That's nerve-wracking. Wow. That's ballsy, but I love it. That's why you listen in Lab B, because you are going to be making some of these. Myself, I am going to say I'm a bit more chalky on the night. I I like underdogs a lot of the time. I'm moving it up to round three because it's heavyweights. It is heavyweights. Um, oh, this is just a tough... Tough card. A lot of close, close lines in there. Let's see. On DraftKings, you're going to pay for the slight favorite. Daniel Cormier, 8,500 against Miocic, 7,700. How often do you think you're going to be playing Miocic? I don't see him getting finished as quick next time about... If they their wrestling could very much stifle each other... Mm-hmm. I actually see Miocic having the better cardio. I kind of think DC has sat back on his, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, accolades a little bit, or at least that's what his body looks like. Like he's just kind of leaned back that he's right. the champ at the gym. He can throw guys around with weight. I think Stipe wants that belt back. 
So, hungry. Hungry. Very, very hungry. On DraftKings, I'm going to... Because I see a decision. I can stack this fight. I think they'll both score strikes in it. I can see myself easily going 30% Daniel Cormier and 20% Stipe Miocic If it wasn't heavyweights, I would say maybe, but I just don't see the volume being up there that high. If they can't take the other down and there's not a knockout that you foresee, which is usually how the other gets the points. Sure. That's where I I have exposure to both of these. Interesting, because we're going to have these main cards only on this pay-per-view. I'm going to have some really volatile main cards because I'm going to have to be picking like Costa, Miocic and a couple of these as well. But again, you're going to be able to win first place here. I I just can't bet them straight up. I just kind of see all of the favorites slightly getting it tonight. I love your picks. I think you're making valid, valid points I might switch to DC over switching to Pettis right now. But we will definitely make sure you're following us everywhere and we will always put out a card. And we will always put out the card first. So if you don't want to wait until the last minute to make your own picks, you can do that. We'll put out one for you. So, yeah, I don't have anything to add about UFC 241U. Nothing at all. Thanks again for listening. Let me!